Once upon a time, a young person, maybe it was a boy, maybe it was a girl, looked around the world they were growing up in and saw both beauty and cruelty, love and hate, community and division. This young person also noticed that she, or he, contained both abundance and selfishness, fear and compassion, love and disgust. Full of confusion, she, or he, went to an elder, someone who'd seen it all, and asked, Elder, I see that my people are not one thing or the other, but a jumble of good and bad, short-sighted and thoughtful. And I look inside myself, and I see both hope and despair, generosity and greed. What is wrong? And the elder replied, Nothing is wrong with you or with us. All of us always have two wolves within us. One, the red wolf, is angry, scared, and grasping. The other, the green wolf, is loving, kind, and brave. They are always there, always struggling within us for dominance, to determine how we live and behave. The youth listened and was silent for a time. But Elder, which one wins? You all know the answer, right? You've heard this story before. The one we feed. The one we feed wins. Hello, hotties. Welcome to the weekly podcast for people craving a sense of connectedness, a dose of empathy, a glimpse of the way forward, and an opportunity to engage. So, we've been thinking about that parable of the two wolves in the aftermath of the national election. And given how much anger and xenophobia and racism has has risen up in the last few years, will a new president make a difference? Were we always this awful and now we're just finding out about it? Or have we become more awful under the influence of a frankly craven and selfish leader? Listeners know that we're big believers in the both and theory of everything. It's kind of like the Big Bang Theory, Mm -hmm. but with fewer plaid pants. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to get that joke, are they? I wouldn't guarantee that. Yeah. Anyway, we're big believers in both and. And and so we're going to go big and ambitious today. And we're going to work to tackle both the implications of leadership and the responsibility of individuals in the battle of the two wolves. Hang out with us today as Charles tells a true story of how Green Wolf leadership created opportunities for excellence and unity in the midst of a pretty gnarly crisis. And we'll explore how everyday people, that's us, can feed the right wolf the right diet and become the kind of leaders in our own lives that together transform our culture into one that displays more compassion, more responsibility, and more inclusion. All right, we're ready for this big topic. Let's do it. All right, the tape is rolling. Check. Caffeine at optimal levels. Check. Cats are secured. On my lap. And the microphones are hot. Check. We are here here together. together. That was fun. So I've been thinking about leadership you know we're just we're just going to dive into the leadership part mm-hmm. of this right now leadership has been really important to me for my entire 
career. I really started my professional career as an outdoor educator and we talked about leadership all the time and how leadership wasn't one thing. There was something called situational leadership where you brought different kinds mm. of leadership to different situations. And it was always kind of assumed in those arenas that leadership was a force for good. We were leading folks into the wilderness out of their comfort zone, promoting learning, promoting growth, promoting uh, interpersonal connections and communication and self-awareness and all this stuff. And it's only been kind of in the last few years that I realized that like leadership can be bad. Oh yeah. <laughs> Try like, Hitler. Yeah, I know. Was I not, was I not paying attention? Was I, you know, I just, yeah. I guess I just had this kind of naive, uh, naive definition of leadership and Happily, there weren't any Hitlers in your in your leadership world. Yeah, leadership is not necessarily positive. It's not always green wolf leadership. Sometimes, mm-hmm. right? You Hitler, you know, red yeah. wolf, red wolf leadership for yeah. sure, for sure. And now we're in this time of significant change in our government. We're, we're swapping leaders out, like yep. we do in this democracy. It, it, they are going to get swapped. Yeah, it's hallelujah. Gonna, it's going to happen January 20th, no matter what. And there's also this generational change as mm-hmm. as boomers um, fade away. And even, even Joe Biden admits, claims that he's a transitional leader. He's, yeah, he knows that he he's, is. He's a one-term president. Um, he's bestride the generations. So, yeah. So, you know, the question is kind of like, did Donald Trump pull back the curtain on what America and what Americans are. I mean, that's really, right. It's not just, it's kind of a fundamental question. It is a really fundamental question. And when I, when I took it from saying America to saying Americans, that like mm-hmm. made a little lump yeah, in my your, chest. Like, yeah. Stomach clench up. People, yeah, absolutely. You know, did, did he reveal who we really are or did he enable something? Or yeah. Did he, cr- create or encourage something that wasn't there already. Right. And I think with the, with the wolf understanding, like, I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of anti-racist activists would say, this is what we've always been. Mm -hmm. Uh, And some more moderate folks might say, no, this is, you know, he created this or whatever. And again, I think it's a both and, right? Yeah. I would agree that it's a both and. Yeah. But I want to tell this story about, something that happened 25 years ago to kind of give an example of Green Wolf leadership. And I just want to point out, even before we start the story, I am not the Green Wolf in, in this story. story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no shit, there we were. So you're supposed to start every epic outdoor story. I was leading, I was co-leading a 20-something day backpack trip into the Wind River Mountains of Wyoming. It's like just the name of that wind. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of horrified at the even notion of it. Mountains, yeah. Uh, a bunch of really high fun. My students were a bunch of really high functioning college students. Uh, very dedicated. They were. This was a leadership training program for them. So they. So were, they were going to go out and be. What what kind of outdoor leaders? Outdoor leaders yeah, themselves yeah, run yeah. programs and stuff. Yep. Got it. Yep. And so this was kind of the apex program for them. They, most of them had already been teaching outdoor leadership courses as an undergrad for other undergrads being peer leaders. So, this so was it was PEE? It was PEE. Yes, it was PEE. Anybody who uh, knows that uh, TV reference, we'll uh, let us know. Give you a t-shirt. <laughs> give, we'll give you a t-shirt. 
let us know in the comments. No Googling. Yeah, no Googling. <laughs> so, and my, well, yeah, so the, and this was my first big expedition as a leader. I had done that trip as a, as an undergrad myself. I'd done a lot of other training, but this is like the first time that I'm really on a big, long expedition of this kind. And fortunately I had a much more experienced co-leader, Willie Williams. And I just uh, love, love that man. He he died not long ago from, mm-hmm. I think it was pancreatic cancer, way oh, too young, uh-uh. way too young. So yeah, big, big thoughts and love. Pancreatic for, cancer. Big thoughts for Willie Williams. So we had, no shit, there we were, 18 days into this 22-day course. And the to make a long story short, one of the participants fell into, kind of slid into a hole in the snow next to a boulder and did something to her knee. We found out later that she'd ruptured her meniscus and tore her ACL. Oh. And I come upon the scene. She's lying there in the snow, and uh, one of her uh, other students had already kind of pulled up her ski pants so we could see mm. her knee, and it was already just like you know Ooh. cantaloupe, uh, swollen, too painful to move. And to set the scene a little bit more, we are 20 miles by trail to the roadhead, and then it's another 25 or 30 miles by bumpy dirt road into Lander, Wyoming, where they just have a clinic. They don't even have a hospital. Wow. And we're, it's you guys snow, were in trouble. deep snow and very far back. There's nobody else around. I can still picture that, that knee, that red, ugly, swollen knee. Mm. And, uh, the pain on, on that, that young woman's face. And my thought was, well, we're done. Yeah. We're pulling the ripcord. There's nothing we can do about this. She cannot walk. Uh, we cannot carry her. Uh, we're, it's too much snow, too much rocks. This is not just an easy trail. We can't carry her out of here. It's 20 miles. We're going to have to call for a helicopter evac. And back then, we didn't have satellite phones, and there was no cell phone coverage. I don't even know if we had cell there phones. There weren't cell phones. There yeah. weren't cell phones. Um, so what we did have was we had an air, a ground-to-air radio. So this big honking, massive battery pack, like in mash, radio, like in mash, essentially. Yeah, that we've been carrying for for weeks. And the idea is that you like call an overflying airplane with this radio oh, and have man. them relay an uh, an SOS message to the lander airport, and they relay that to the lander county sheriff. And somehow they find, I mean, we have to, you know, figure out what our latitude and longitude is on a map. We don't have a GPS, you know, we got to be able to explain where we are. We have to, you know, craft a a helicopter landing zone in all of the snow and rocks and trees uh, and and figure out how to get her out of there. That was Even that was like pretty amazing. Sure. Sure. I mean, that's, you know, from, from, from a leadership a, perspective, from a leadership perspective, just that was a lot of moving parts. Of that that yeah. was a lot of moving parts already. And that's, but my, but I, I had given up essentially. Yeah. We were done as yeah. far as I was concerned. In your mind, you, it, it was mind, over. Was and fortunately, Willie, with all of his experience, 25 more years experience leading in exactly these kinds of environments than I, uh, he came up with something completely different. We built a really good splint on this young woman's leg. This was back in the days when you carried stuff like Darvaset uh, in the in the first aid kit, Percocet essentially. Mm. So we we you guys got, her, got her so she was feeling no pain. 
And so the splint made it so that she couldn't she couldn't bend her knee, which mm-hmm. was of course not you know it had to be immobilized. So she had to swing her leg wide uh-huh. in order to be able to walk. So every step was a snow angel. Every step, yeah, <laughs> a vertical snow angel, oh. exactly. Um, so what Willie had us do is he had two people walk in front of this young woman and pack down the snow with their snowshoes to create a sidewalk. They essentially created a 20 mile long sidewalk in the snow uh, so that she could just shuffle her feet along Mm -hmm. or swing, swing that, that foot out to the side and bring it forward. We took all of the weight out of her pack except for her clothes and distributed it amongst this group of, of peer leaders. And then we divided into two teams because we, we couldn't cross the creeks with her in the splint, and, you know, she slipped on one of those slippery oh, yeah. rocks. Ouch. She was going to really do damage to that knee, and she couldn't really, she didn't have the mobility to, to, to cross the creek. You can't hop creeks. across a creek no. with slippery rocks. Yeah, and, and there were no, there were no bridges mm-hmm. out here. This is all fully extreme, wild. fully wild. So, Willie took the other half of the group, and they would sprint ahead and set up a rope bridge, a Tyrolean traverse. They would tension a rope between two trees across the creek, our patient would, would get to the rope bridge, clip in with the harness that she was hiking in at this point, clip into the, the rope bridge, get slid across, get unhooked on the far side. The rest of us would wade through the creek. So it's sort of like a zip line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah, push yeah, her yeah. over yeah. or pull her over on a yeah, zip line. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so we'd, we'd keep hiking, making the, making the, the sidewalk in front of us, mm-hmm, the, the rope, slow progress, the rope the... team would pull down the whole bridge, pack it all back up in their packs zoom and past. then zoom past oh, us my gosh. to the next stream crossing and do it all over again. And how we, many do you think there were? How we many did that stream for cr- two and a half days. And I think there were five stream crossings wow. before we got to the van. And did did uh, got her down to the clinic, and they took the X-ray or whatever they did, and and let us know what was going on, and she was fine. She was she was really grateful the whole time. That was I thought she was going to be really uncomfortable or cranky. She just felt. She told me later she just felt I felt so loved and cared for. Mm. And this was like for you know these high functioning Ivy League students for and she was an engineering student. She was in one of the toughest programs at Cornell. So for her to be able to be taken care of, to relax into a passive role was kind of a big, wonderful lesson for her. Everybody else on that trip, you asked me earlier when I was talking about the story, whether there was resentment, whether any of those students felt uh, angry or resentful that their trip got interrupted. Right, because that was kind of my first thought of like, oh, she ruined the trip, you know, like, you know, because some people can be like that. Right, for sure. For sure. No, and what happened was in th- I mean, they would have been that way. They would have felt that way if we had gone the way I thought it was going to go. If we had pulled the ripcord and said, you know, kind of like, it's like, you know what? The play's over, folks. Go home. Like right. that, was, that was my thought. And what Willie saw was that the play went on and that the opportunities for leadership, learning, growth, excellence, striving, rising to challenges, rising to a yeah. challenge, that this was perfect, that this was, you know, God help us, a teachable moment right? Um, for everybody. And 
they, you know, those, those folks loved it. You know, one of them is a, one of them is a doctor now who builds bikes, uh, you know, out of titanium on the side. Uh, Kelly, this, this, the, the student, the injured student, uh, got her master's in structural engineering and did things like rappel down the sides of the Chrysler building. No joke. Like Whoa. used ropes and plumbing techniques to inspect the stainless steel cladding oh on the side God. of the Chrysler building, rappel down the, the, the church of St. John, the divine in front of the stained glass windows to check all the Glastavino Italian tile to make sure it wasn't falling wow. apart. So she bounced back. Okay. From that, you know, she's doing all right. She's doing all right. She's doing all right. I think I'm the least, I'm the least accomplished of that, of that group right now, but, uh, they, they had an opportunity to excel. And I think about it now, like, if Willie Williams had been, had been in charge, had been president, right, he wouldn't have been like, okay, the the governors are going to take care of everything. No, hell this no. isn't a problem. This is a hoax. You know, we'll, we'll stop worrying about it. We're going to have herd immunity. No, we're like, we're going to come together. Yeah, everybody's going to be, be excellent. A plan and a vision. Yep, everybody's going to contribute. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to be excellent. Um, right. Well, because see, that's the whole thing. Like everybody got so much out of. Everyone was needed. Yeah. Everyone had a yeah. part to play. Yes. Yeah, I was the most passive. All my whole job uh-huh. was to give her Darvaset every six hours. Right, right. You <laughs> had the easiest else, job. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, my God. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. wow. Yeah, everybody had a role. You're exactly right. Everybody was called to, um, called to care, compassion, mm-hmm. excellence out of themselves. It didn't, you know, their personal goals for the trip might not have been accomplished. They may have had some mm-hmm. goals about doing more rock climbing or, or having more time to fish or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. That, that didn't matter. What mattered was that they found out how to work together to take care of one of their own. And I, I really hope, I really hope that all of them, you know, know how impressed that I was with their, I want to say it was like a sacrifice, but it didn't, none of that felt right, like a sacrifice. At right. The time. It was only it a all, sacrifice on one level and on kind of a superficial level. It all felt like awesomeness. Because getting engaged in a solution oh. is its own reward. Yeah. Plus, yeah. you know, everybody got out safely. Right. And, you know, how, how much, what a sense of pride and self reliance and, yeah. Ingenuity that they all took away from that yes. incident that you took away from that incident. I don't know. I look back at the the teachers who I loved in school and they're pretty much the hardest teachers I had. Right. And they pulled stuff out of me that I never would have done on my own. I ne- The leadership of that is like, no, you have more in you. And you will perform, you will pull it out, you will do this. And that was more on an individual, I mean, band was a collective. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. But my high English... High school marching band, yeah. Yeah, high school marching band. But, you know, my English class, Mrs. Lamar is a beloved teacher that, right. you know, some of my friends and I share as a favorite teacher. And, yeah. you know, she she brought more from us than we ever imagined. Yeah. But yeah, the band is a good example because it was a collective result and that we all kind of gave more than we would have and got more than we imagined. Right. And I think that, you know, so this is my hypothesis of, of part of the both and of like 
leaders that, that all of us, right? All of us are just a mess of conflicting impulses. Mm-hmm. All of us always have both wolves. I don't want, I just want to lay on the couch and eat popcorn and read, right? I mean, Amen, that's just like, brother. And I want to have a huge impact on the world. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I'm an introvert who doesn't really like talking to people and I want connection and unity and community mm-hmm. and leaders can, in my belief, leaders can help make the difference, help kind of nudge me and others in the direction of, of that green wolf that is about connection and excellence and all that stuff. And you know, think about like, Hey kids. What do you want to do today? Oh, we want to make a 20-mile-long sidewalk in right. the snow. Yeah, nobody no. wants to do that. Hey, what are we going to do today? Hey, we're going to wade back and forth across a really cold stream in our bare feet. Yeah. With snow, you know, this is like snow melt water <laughs> with slippery rocks. We're going to do that multiple times and rig up a zip line that we don't get to zip on. <laughs> no zip for you. That's not... That's not yeah. There's nothing good in that, right? Right. It sounds but, awful. But leadership made that higher and and better mm. and, a, and a great use of their talents. So it wasn't about fun. It wasn't about ease. It was about contribution, unity, excellence, all that great stuff, all of that great Green Wolf stuff. Yeah. It's a little baby mini moonshot. Yeah, it was. It's not going to be fun or easy, but it's going to feel amazing. Yeah. Trying to imagine Willie's Willie's a California surfer. Trying to imagine him speaking in a Boston accent. <laughs> We're gonna do the hard thing. <laughs> you all are gonna rig a rope bridge. <laughs> yeah, love it. Anyway, so that's 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 my story from from way back then. You know, leadership has this role to play in in setting a vision and and creating an agenda and creating norms and. Yeah, you know, I think you're going to talk about like how you see that playing out nationally, right? Yeah, I'm just really excited to see um, Biden and Harris from from minute one springing into action. They're making plans so they can hit the ground running in January, but they also are setting a vision. Just how they talk, you mm-hmm. know, when their acceptance speech. And the the whole program was about setting a vision and an agenda and creating a culture of competence, compassion, and unity that is feeding that healthy wolf. So I'm excited to see the national leadership feeding a healthy wolf instead of feeding the, the ugly wolf. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am too. You know, I don't think we're going to see, you know, racism, police brutality, you know, homophobia, anti-migrant sentiment go away. It's not Mm-mm. like magically going to disappear. But now the expectation has shifted. The mm-hmm. leaders are setting a different expectation for which wolf we're mm-hmm. going to feed. Absolutely. And, and you know, Trump and, and, and Trumpists, they're, the, they're like the worst crazy zookeepers throwing throwing gobbets of meat, you know, mm-hmm. at the monsters and feeding the monsters. Right. You know, not, I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to go on too politically because I know not everybody wants to hear this, but it's just like, I do, really do believe. We're looking at behaviors. We're, we're not at, we're just yeah. calling names. We're looking at behaviors. Yeah. 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 And behaviors when, when uh, a leader who, you know, no matter what position one holds as a leader, a leader's words hold more weight mm-hmm. and they do more to set a tone. So when, you know, when a leader cracks 
of sexist jokes, when a, mm-hmm. when a CEO cracks sexist jokes, that means that the whole corporation becomes that un- creates unfriendly. Culture. Yeah. 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 That signaling that it's okay to objectify people and right. treat people in a way that is, yep. you know, makes people uncomfortable. And right. And there's, a, you know, there's a tiny fraction of people in this town who are kind of militia members of, you know, racists, proud boys kind of folks, oath keepers, tiny fraction of people mm-hmm. in this community that hold those beliefs. But because our local leadership hasn't called them out yeah, and hasn't said that's not cool, mm-hmm. our town now has this nationwide reputation oh, yeah, yeah, as yeah. a racist stronghold stronghold yeah yep yeah and that's all unfortunate it have, all it would have taken would have been the mayor to say that's not who we are yeah because and that would be true that isn't who we are yeah it there's isn't just, there's just like 50 people who are yeah there. and most of them don't even live in this town they live in one town over right yeah well i mean if we want our our national reality to be this culture of confidence, compassion, unity, those kinds of values, we can't just leave it to, you know, Biden and Harris to fix everything. Yeah. Or or, or the local mayor. Or the local mayor either. Yeah. It's like, it would be great if we had leadership that, that made that clear, but you know, everyone has leadership in them Mm -hmm. and influence over some small sphere. Yeah. And so that's one thing that we want to talk about today is like the leadership is so important, but they can't feed the healthy wolf for everybody all the time. They can never feed that wolf enough that we don't have to do it. So we all have to look at our own leadership abilities and our own leadership behaviors in our in our little corners of the world and do what we can to amplify those values that tone and culture Mm. that we think is important and when we do we support the national community one neighborhood or family or workplace at a time and in order to be the kind of leader who does that we have to know which wolf we have to know which wolf we are feeding We'll be back in the second part of this podcast to talk about how to feed a wolf, which which wolf to feed and and how to feed a wolf in the first place. I'm guessing that not everybody is an experienced wolf handler. Mm -mm. Yeah. We'll be right back with part two. So during this break, we wanted to update you on a couple of our projects. We are still working on the book. We're promising it. It's coming. Kelly has created a mock-up, and I'm crafting some of the written content so we can shop it around more effectively to publishers. And we'll be really proud to share some of the mock-ups in the Here Together Community Lab. So if you're not already a member of that and want to check out what we're up to, go ahead and join that on Facebook, the Here Together Community Lab. And I said we're going to share some next week. That's my... Well, we can work on it over Thanksgiving since that's, we're not going anywhere. That's right. That's right. I don't think I am. Yeah. So I set, I set a deadline and we'll talk about... This is kind of one of the ways to mm-hmm. feed, the, feed the wolf, right? Right. Set deadlines, make plans, not leave it up to chance. Anyway, uh, another project that uh, we're working on, I'm partnering with Mark Green, the author of Remaking Manhood, and we're recording a brand new podcast about and for men who are ready to make the leap to healthy, connected masculinity. And we don't have a name for the podcast yet. What? 
it's definitely about this leap, but there's a lot of Make the Leap podcasts out there. Oh, yeah. Most of them have to do with basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that we're trying doesn't to, work. We're trying to figure out if anybody's got... We're, we're playing with... Uh, uh, the idea garage or the connection mm-hmm. garage or something like yeah. that. We'll, yeah, we'll see. Um, our plan has been to record some episodes and then kind of see if a, if a name emerged. If anybody's got ideas, put them in the comments. Please let me know. So recently we've recorded uh, four episodes with big-hearted, really powerful, interesting, fascinating men like Jose Alejandro of Modern Renaissance Man, which is kind of a branding project, a mm. healthy masculinity branding project. Cool. Ashante Branch, who's the founder of the Ever Forward Club for Young Men. Really You made him have feels. We did. We made we made Ashante. Oh, I can't believe that. Thank you for remembering that. I put Ashante way up on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's a godlike figure in my in my world. And yeah, Mark and I made him cry a little bit. <laughs> I love it in a good way. And we also interviewed Boyson Hodgson, who's the communications director for the Mankind Project, and he made he made me have some feels. Oh, uh, good. At the most recent episode, so we'll release all four of those episodes together in December. There, I'm setting a deadline. It's going to happen now. Uh, I'm really excited about this project i think it can have a big impact on on men and the culture and we'll be ending this here together podcast episode with the personal epiphany that that came to me good uh, in my interview with boyson now let's get back to part two of how to feed a wolf so the the two wolves parable tells us that we can determine which wolf wins and therefore how we act and what our world looks like. Right. But we have to be mindful about which wolf we feed. And I just want to take a little pause to look at what that parable does for us. The us is the child. It's not one of the wolves. None of us are one of the wolves. Right. We are all the youth Mm -hmm. in this story. We get that's to a choose. Good, that's important to point out. It yes. is really important to point out. That gives us agency and empowerment. Right. We're not calling anybody evil because the whole idea of the story is that there is good and bad, you know, good and evil impulses yeah. in everyone. I'm, I'm taking a, a breath and a pause because it's like, well, if somebody now knows that they are consciously choosing the red wolf over and over again. Mm-hmm. That to my mind is evil. Yeah, maybe so. So, but what it means is that none of us, none of us are necessarily evil or good and that we always have a choice. We There's always more have choice. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. I mean, like we know people who used to be drug dealers and did time in prison and, and got out and have made amazing, beautiful things of their lives, yeah, you know, families, beautiful businesses. Yeah. And, yeah. and, just being around, you know, the one in particular I'm thinking of, just being around him yeah. feels wonderful and yeah. beautiful, you yeah. know? And so it's like people get into gnarly stuff in their lives because of all sorts of reasons. Yes. And, you know, like when we talk to Hayden, oh my God. you know, yeah. like he had a, a kind of a good childhood and, and fell in with the wrong, you know, the wrong crowd and got sucked down a, the hole of white supremacy yep. for a while. But then he, he 
got help and got out. And he, he tells a really clear story that we could put into the, into the framework of this parable where he like looked around at the people who were helping him mm-hmm. get into recovery and kick alcohol and drugs and like mm-hmm. look at all these Mexican and Asian and black mm-hmm. people who were helping him. And he decided to stop feeding the red wolf. Right. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> the red wolf does not have my best interests at heart. Right. I'm not going to be part of that white supremacist gang. Yeah. I make a choice. Yeah. And I, I think that's what's really important about this parable is that it is, we always have agency. And I keep saying that over and over again. I think I'm trying to find a, a better way to say it, but it means that- Well, every moment is a choice. Every moment is a choice. And I think a lot of people, and I know that I thought this at one point in my life, that that I was just a bundle of reactions. Mm-hmm. And it can feel like that until right. we do a little bit of work. And this is one right. of the ways, one of the things we're going to talk yeah. about, yep. about how to feed a wolf is to is to remember that we are not just a bundle of reactions, that there is a moment, mm-hmm. a sliver of choice in there. Yeah. And that part of growing up and becoming- more mature, more skilled is is taking that sliver of choice and expanding it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you might just be able to slip a piece of paper in between there at the beginning, but and and that comes back to sort of like when we Sometimes were talking. All you can do is apologize afterward. But, exactly. Yeah. Well, and we've talked about that many times on yeah. here of of widening that gap. Um, giving ourselves more space to make a choice. Um, we talked with Pete last episode about engaged Buddhism yeah. and part of part of Buddhist practice and a meditation practice is sitting with what is going on within us and yeah. not being reactive about right. it. You're like right. there were three, learning there were three, to not three react. Precepts and the, yeah. last, the last precept was take action. The mm-hmm. first two were yeah. sit in unknowing and bear witness to see what's really mm, there. And yes. only then, yeah. only then you exactly. take action. Exactly. <sighs> and we're finding out, science is finding out that, you know, our genetics have a real strong influence on who we are and what we do. Our environments have a real strong yeah. influence on who we are and what we do. But we also do have choice. And in order... Yeah. Of for the, that choice to really be an option, we have to develop it. We have to develop our ability to choose. And part of that means having an awareness that we do have a choice yeah. in the yeah. first place. Yeah. So if anybody's out there who wants to engage in a debate about whether or not humans have free will, we're just stipulating there's some free will. There's yeah. enough. There's, there's enough free at least will to a make, little. Yep. There's at least a little free will. I mean, yep. certainly we're finding out that we're our autopilot stuff is way more powerful than we imagined. We also have the issues of other people trying to choose for us mm. by capitalizing on the things that we do automatically. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, we'll talk I about that in a minute. Sugar in our food. Yeah, well, that's yeah. one thing. But we'll talk about that in yeah. a minute. But yeah, one of the one of the things that we have been trying to do, partly after st- talking with Stacia Rivera, I don't remember what episode number that was, but yep. when we talked with her about voting for ourselves, yes, and trying to do the things that will make us 
our best self a drop at a time that's that's feeding the good wolf right or the whatever you know and and green and red are sort of arbitrary colors that you know we don't want to make it black and white yeah that's yeah. nonsense but anyway so let's let's talk about the four ways that we yes let's get organized have, at here. least for this podcast we're, we're focusing on four ways to feed a wolf the right diet i like it yeah so what's number one, Kelly? So number one is use good decision-making hygiene. And what we have been trying to do, which is what I was trying to get to, but I was talking myself into a corner um, <laughs> because, but luckily we planned it out ahead of time. Luckily so there's an outline in exactly, front of us. That's exactly right. That's we made exactly a plan. right. We number made a one. plan and I think. Thank you, Charles, for helping me get out of the corner and come back to the plan. So, yeah, making a plan, deciding things ahead of time, um, whether it's planning the weekly menu or like we talked about at some point recently of what are you going to do for Thanksgiving with your family? Are you going to wear a mask? Right. You know, make that decision ahead of time with everybody because it gets weird. We we're human animals and we want to see each other's faces and we don't want to feel like the people we love the most are the ones who are going to give us a disease that might kill us. Right. It gets really weird and uncomfortable in the moment. But if you plan ahead yep. and decide we're wearing masks inside we're doing this, we're doing that, whatever it is, then it makes it so much easier to stick to and you're not solving it in the moment over and over again. Right. Because solving things in the moment, that's a recipe for sliding down the the, the path to easiness, like whatever's easy, whatever's convenient. That's when we lose free will. That's when we lose free will. Yes. When we're trying to make, trying to make decisions in the moment when we're, then we're just at the, I'm at a, I'm a slave to my, whatever my hormone component is going on right now. Oh my God. Yes, I will get three bags of chips at the store if I'm, yeah, if I haven't planned ahead. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a great example of the, the, you know, going to the store with a shopping list. Mm-hmm. And as, it, as, you know, kind of as it applies to intrapersonal and interpersonal work is like, you know, having a plan to, for example, talk about finances once a week. Yep. We've right. been doing that and it's really made a huge difference. Yeah. Rather than letting it build up and oh then become, become a, a bear. Yeah. Uh, you know, exercising at a certain time of day. We which have we not been doing so great at, at that, but... Yep. When we do do great at that, it's often because we have decided it ahead of time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and there's all kinds of things that, uh, whether it's, you know, journaling or doing spiritual work or yoga or whatever it is that we need to do that is going to make choices easier down the line. We have to build those in instead of being like, I wonder if I'll feel like doing yoga today. Yeah. I uh, never uh, feel like doing mm-mm. the stuff that's good. For, I hardly ever yeah. feel like doing Almost the stuff never. that's good for me. Yeah. And that's kind of leads into, you know, my part of this is I really like broader strategies, measures, and goals. And those mm-hmm. are what help me make decisions in real time. So it's like if I set a goal, and especially if I use an accountability buddy, if I set a goal like I did at the, the mid-roll to have the, the, the book mock-up done. Oh, uh, yeah. Done, you put it out there. Now we have to do week. it. Right. Now, now I have to do it. And that's – but that book project is only important in – the context of the strategic plan we have for the businesses. Right. Like we could give up doing the book, but we decided that that book was going to be an important way to, to bring in income, but more importantly, even to get the message. Yeah. To talk about what's important. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So it can't just fall off the wagon, mm-hmm. fall off the list because I don't feel like doing it. Right. Which I don't. I don't really feel like doing it. Well, it's it, like what outcomes matter. do we want? Right. What results do we want? Right. And the, you know, doing that book, completing that book is going to be a huge feeding of the green wolf. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to feel amazing. Yep. It's going to feel like hiking out of the canyon. Yep. So, you know, figuring out how to come up with intermediate goals along the way to feed that big strategic goal mm-hmm. is really important. You know, and it sounds like as we talk about this, I'm kind of self-conscious that it seems like we're talking about these really concrete, you know, physical things like diet and exercise right. and all stuff and, and like business stuff like goals. But all of that is practice of exercising that free will for the stuff that's sort of more important around treating each other well, compassion, courage, vulnerability, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Anyway, so you also had, you just learned something about decision making, another whole another whole paradigm around decision making. Yeah, I did. I just listened to uh, the Professional AF podcast with Diana Kander, and she had on Annie Duke, who I've actually heard on another podcast. And she is a researcher in decision making who basically went out and learned poker as a way of researching decision making. And she's like made a killing as a poker player. Really? Yeah. And she got trained. She she enlisted some some world-class poker players to teach her about the game. And then she has done a ton of research. This and had, so, This is so yeah. off to the side, but I'm like, did her did her educational institution or research institution like give her a grant so she could pay poker players to teach her how to play poker? Yeah, I have no idea like, how wanna, she funded I wanna, her. I want to work for that, finding, for that educational institution. That's an open-minded institution. Yeah, would, yeah I don't know, but, but she just was on um, the... Almost the second to the most recent uh, Diana Kander episode, and her new book is How to Decide Simple Tools for Making Better Choices. And what she says is, I think, probably very true that we don't even know if we're good decision makers or not, because Mm. if things go well, we just assume we made a good decision. And if things go badly, we generally blame it on somebody else or on circumstance or whatever. And it's so rare that we really set up a a study to look at and analyze how we make decisions and if our decisions bear out. So I really recommend we'll put that podcast and um, book title in the show notes so that you can check it out for yourself. But assessing your decision-making skill set is really important to you know, knowing what you're doing in the world and which wolf you're feeding. Right. So this is another example of, of we have less freedom than we think, Mm -hmm. but we can claw it back. We can claw it back. Yes. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm really curious to think, you know, about the folks listening right now who heard you say most of the time when, when it goes well, we think it's due to our good decisions. And most of the time when it goes badly, we blame somebody else or we blame circumstance. And I'm just wondering like how many people like me Mm -hmm. is going, going, Oh God, Mm -hmm. we know who listens to this podcast. It's people who are going to go. They're going to go. Oh, do I do that? Do I do that? Oh boy. Lots of television today. (laughs) Lots of television references today. You do not get a t-shirt if you know that reference. No, Uh, but only the meta reference. Oh, so they get a t-shirt if they know the meta reference? No, they don't get a t-shirt, but we'll love them a little bit more. Okay. If you know the meta reference, put that in the show notes. If you know what a meta reference is, 
Put that in the show notes. Um, <laughs> we're so, talking, yeah, we're talking about those next? really. We're talking about free will and politics. I and know, giggling, which is exactly That's on brand. What for us. is good about our podcast? Right. So, what's the next step? So we're only on number two. We're right only now. So number, yeah. Number num- number right. one is decision making stuff. Number two is what? Choose the right hormone. Oh. And I'm not talking about hormone replacement therapy or. That's important whatever. as well. Um, but what I'm talking about is. This is this is another place where there's this area where we can claw back freedom and free will. So all the time, our brains are producing serotonin, adrenaline, cortisol, oxytocin, dopamine in response to whatever stimulus is going on. But I can actually choose to put myself in situations where I get more dopamine or yeah, more dopamine and adrenaline, which is like the short term reward hormones that, and those hormones reward outrage and schadenfreude and shopping and gambling, shopping and gambling and eating sugary food. Um, or I can put myself in situations where serotonin and oxytocin are more going to be released playing music, mm-hmm. um, cooking food rather than mm. eating junk food. When I cook, I get serotonin mm-hmm. and I just recognized that yesterday morning. I was like hungry and there was nothing really to eat in the house. And I was about to like eat a bunch of junk food and I ended up making like whole grain gluten-free muffins and, and little egg bites. And so now we're set for, for weeks and I got pleasure out of that. So serotonin is about pleasure and happy is about happiness. And then you fed the good wolf. And I fed the good wolf. And, and now by like, rehearsing that by recognizing that that's what happened for me, that I got happiness, Mm -hmm. longer term happiness out of that rather than the short term dopamine that then I feel crappy about later. Mm -hmm. I also really recognize it when I'm on social media and when I'm on Twitter in particular. Oh yeah. Twitter is designed to take me down a rabbit hole of kind of agreement outrage, right? Somebody tweets mm-hmm. something that I agree with and then I read all of the comments of all the other people going like, Ooh. yeah, I agree. Yeah, that sucks. Those other people suck. Reading comments is a bad idea. Reading comments is a bad idea. So I can make a conscious choice of whether to go down that dopamine hole, which feels mm-hmm. temporarily pleasurable and it makes me feel powerful because I'm like in agreement with all mm-hmm. the people. I'm like, yeah, they suck. Um, or I can read an article, even on Twitter, read an article that's more in depth Mm. and has some ideas and has some ways to actually engage and make change in the world rather than outrage. And I'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, there's, there's a yeah, and like on the little videos on the side on YouTube and Facebook that are all the clickbait yeah. articles and videos and yeah. stuff. And oh, I I mostly don't click on them. And I go, Kelly, that's clickbait. Yeah. It's not going to be satisfying. And then they're like, who died this year? You know, or yeah. what star is blah, 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 you'll never guess. And right. oh, I hate it. It drives me crazy because they don't even really just tell you. No. Because the, it's specifically designed to put tons of advertising in front of you and to draw it out forever. And whenever I do click on it, it drives me insane. It's not fun. But you're there anyway. But I can't, you know, it's yeah. like a moment of weakness and I click on it and I'm just like, oh, why did I do that? They, they A-B test all of those headlines yep. to get oh, the ones that yeah. grab us in the weird little, weird little dopamine curiosities. Right. Out. And can I just put in a, a quick ad for um, 
Because oxytocin is the hugging hormone, yes. as we know. Yes. And so for if you if you want to choose the right hormone, I suggest that you put a kitten on your stomach. Okay. And just hold it there. Okay. And then you'll get some oxytocin. Okay. It's I'm doing it right now and yes. it's working. The podcat is being held to your tummy. It is. Yeah. I like it. I'm not sure what hormone he's getting right he's now. He's weird. It looks know. like he's got a little anxiety, a little little adrenaline there. But anyway, yeah, we were talking about, you know, Twitter and Facebook and junk food and gambling and all that and I just want to acknowledge the seduction of that good bad feeling, you know. It's like Yeah. There is something very appealing about doing the bad thing and oh that, God, you just, know, I just we like the crinkle, love the crinkle it. of a bag of Doritos. Oh my the gosh. Yeah. The, oh my God. Popping open a cola yeah, or yeah. whatever. I yeah. mean, I and I think th- there's nothing wrong with having, you know, having a little vice now and then or whatever. But when we think in terms of what are we feeding in our lives, yes. that's important to just kind of keep in mind and yep. and know. Yeah, we love that bad feeling. Yeah, but what what's the end goal? What do we want? Right. And you said to deny it is to doom ourselves. It it. is when we try. I mean, we know from from uh, religion and anything that's repressive that denies the full truth. You know, it just makes us want it more. Right. Or it makes us, you know, psychologically tune out that reality and then we can't even see that we're doing it. When I repress it, I have less control. It's Absolutely. Like self-knowledge is another place where I can well put, put. That, that sliver of paper or, yep. or, that, or the fingernails or whatever mm-hmm. metaphor we're using to talk about clawing back clawing it freedom. Back. But I just want to just real quickly before we move on to number three, make it clear that, you know, we're talking about like social media and food, but the other activities that release addictive dopamine and adrenaline are not are are outrage and violence mm-hmm. and conflict. Yeah, that's and, very addictive. And, yeah. And so those, you know, those folks who are in the proud boys who are in uh uh white supremacist gangs who are uh shouting, you know, mm-hmm. racial slurs out of their car window, they're all succumbing. They're hopped up on on all of those those body chemicals. Yep, they're they're succumbing to the seduction of that good bad feeling. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm full of all kinds of emotions. I'm full of all kinds of thoughts that I want right. to shout out my car window as well. Or mm-hmm. I, you know, not so much anymore. But when I was younger, I used to fantasize. I used to have all kinds of revenge fantasies of like mm-hmm. violence and all that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, it was like poking that hole in your tooth. You mm-hmm. know, where your tooth was. I just couldn't stop. Right, you right. Stop doing it, and yeah, I didn't so, take action on it. But yeah, that's, those proud boys—they might be really good at their day jobs, or they might take really good care of their mothers, or what you yeah. know. They might have some good wolf stuff going. Yeah, but they are feeding that dopamine, adrenaline rush with hatred. Yeah, and and it feels it feels good. good. So that's we just want to acknowledge, like bad wolf stuff. We do it because it feels good. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And but other, where does it lead? Right. What do we want in the end? Right. And the other thing I want to point out again before we move on is that choosing serotonin and oxytocin is, I'm not saying that we should choose 
passivity right, or right. inaction in the face of injustice, what I'm saying is that uh, what I'm trying to do, I'll just speak for myself, is that when I notice outrage and schadenfreude and all this stuff coming up and all this us-then thinking, I try and twist that outrage not try and twist, I try and identify that outrage so I can identify what it is that I love. Mm. When I'm outraged about something else, right. what that really means is that there's something that I love that feels threatened. Right. So then I try and focus mm-hmm. on the love, which is serotonin and oxytocin. And we move toward what we focus on. Yep. So, And then taking action is really important because if we're just impotently spinning mm-hmm. in outrage, that amplifies, mm-hmm. right? We get all hopped up on Twitter and it amplifies and we get a pit in our stomach. Yep. I get a pit in my stomach. But when I sign up to make phone calls for mm-hmm. a political campaign, when I donate to a local mm-hmm. homeless shelter, uh, when I offer pro bono services to a nonprofit that can't afford it, now yep. I'm getting more oxytocin, now I'm right. getting more serotonin. Now my outrage again is being channeled into love and action. Oh, beautifully put. Yeah. So now we're finally going to get to number three. And this is number three in the ways to feed the right wolf, the right diet is to make sure you're getting help. It's, it's your wolf, but it's our collective responsibility. It turns out everybody's wolf is everybody else's wolf. Uh, Yeah. We're all struggling with the same. Right. And we know that connection is the antidote. Connection is the antidote to loneliness. Connection is the antidote to outrage. Connection is the antidote to To addiction, to addiction and helplessness. So make sure that, you know, you're, you're reaching out and I, I got to call Adam Young today. I've been out of touch with him for a long time. But the other part of this getting help is to make sure that, if any of the stuff we've talked about so far is really hard and impossible, if you don't see any daylight between your action and your reaction, if you don't see any way to get out of the the, the, the dopamine loop because mm. of addiction, because of self-esteem issues, because of trauma or whatever, it's like, man, get some therapy and some coaching. Get somebody on your side. Yeah. This is a, it is your wolf, mm-hmm. but... There's some folks who know about wolf feeding out there who got some experience. Yeah. And you don't even have to be traumatized to get therapy. I mean, it's just a good idea as a, as a person who's working on being more integrated and mature and, and fully alive in the world. There are therapists who are really good for that stuff too. So if if you don't like the, if you don't like the the idea of therapy, go to a coach, right? Yeah. There's somebody who can help you with almost anything. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And another way to claw back a little bit of freedom, you kind of mentioned this earlier is uh, yoga, meditation, spiritual practices, all of those things that downshift the mind out of cortisol and adrenaline, out of outrage, out of mm-hmm. fear into a more contemplative, not, not again, not totally passive. No, it takes, more... it takes a lot of energy and, you know, personal grit to, to sit with what you know, the, the, the boiling cauldron of us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to this morning I got up and and went outside and, you know, we have a big burn pile that we've been chewing our way through a bunch of clippings that we need to get rid of and we don't have a pickup truck, so we don't go to the dump. So we just been, don't tell the local fire department, but we've been burning it in our, in a little burn barrel. Safely. And I could have totally gone out there with my earbuds in listening to a podcast Mm -hmm. and I chose, I made a choice with it just to be with it and that was kind of my spiritual practice this morning yeah yeah 
Kelly's jealous that I didn't wake her up and that's okay. Come with me. I slept in. Yeah. I needed it anyway. So get some help. Get some help from from without or from within. And that's number three. Number four, and how to feed a wolf. Yeah, this one's I. This one's been tricky for me. Um, and you know, I've talked on here plenty of times about struggling with depression, and I just went up on my meds a couple weeks ago, and I'm feeling a lot better. And what it made me realize is, um. You know, if you just don't feel up to the challenge of of feeding the 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 green wolf, the good wolf, you just don't want to to feel the vulnerability of hope. Um because yeah, the green wolf is definitely definitely about hope. Yeah, yeah. If you just can't if you're not up for the fight and you just can't even do anything, you might be depressed. And if you are um see number three about getting help um but yeah there's there's a real vulnerability to to opening yourself to hope yeah that things can be better uh that what you do matters right right and i don't know i I, everybody has to you were were talking about it this morning like there's some part of you sometimes it's just like Oh, just, the, bit, the monster's yeah. coming. Let me just throw myself into its, into its jaws. The world is coming to an end. Let me just, let me just end it now. And that's, I mean, that's a way to have a little bit of control in some ways. It's kind yeah. of a, it's kind of a way to have control. But you spoke really movingly this morning about the conscious decision to opt in. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I'm guessing it's not one that you make once. Yeah, I think you have to make that every day. I mean, it's like people in any kind of recovery programs, you have to to decide every day to be sober, every day to, right. you know, refrain from whatever the thing is you're trying to kick. Right. Um it well, we put this one we put this one last because it's the most important, right? I mean, right. Or you could it could easily go first because it's the most mm-hmm. important because it's, it's like It's kind of foundational. The idea, the idea that there are two wolves and that you have some freedom about which one you feed that presupposes that you care about the outcome or that you Mm -hmm. can, you can steal yourself to having to do that every day to try and craft an outcome that is somewhat more preferable. That's, that's a tough opt in. That's a tough. It is. And I, some people, we've interviewed so many people who are so optimistic and, and who just, you know, have started something because they wanted to help and they saw a way that they could do it and they just get in there. That doesn't even mean they don't have depression or whatever, but for whatever, they have that audacity of hope to quote our former wonderful president. Yeah. And I, I admire that so much, but I also have in, in my struggles with depression, I have, like I was saying this morning, I have felt like I just want to lie down and let the world run over me because I haven't, I didn't have the emotional resilience or what the energy to, to get up and fight another day. Right. And now that, you know, my meds are a little better, I'm like, Oh, I feel better. I'm like, okay, I'm up for it. So like, if you feel like it's just too big a job, you know, you might need to get some help. And if I can't imagine anybody who hasn't felt like that during this year of, you know, just having our ass kicked left and right. Yeah. Yeah. But the good news is the, the volcano under Yellowstone is not going to explode this year. Okay. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. I heard it at um, the Science Versus podcast. Podcast. Great. 
Great. Well, I think the steps you took to take care of yourself when you noticed that you were depressed, that's an example of feeding the green wolf. Absolutely. Like some part of you had enough energy to tell me mm-hmm. that you were feeling depressed and couldn't do, couldn't get out of it. Yeah. You've been white knuckling it as much as you could and you couldn't, couldn't get out of it. And you made a freaking appointment and yeah. you went and dealt with a whole industry that the, very few people like uh, interacting with. Yeah. It was, it was not great as far as, you know, fill, filling out reams of paperwork multiple times yeah. and waiting and waiting rooms and seeing, you know, professionals that were not awesome and whatnot. Yeah. But I got help and I'm doing better at the moment. So yeah. yay. Yeah. And you know, yeah. So I like I said, that's, encourage that's, that's anybody. An exa- that's an example. You fed you fed the green wolf. Yep. And over it, over and over again yeah. at each one of those appointments, leading up to those appointments, mm-hmm. making those phone calls, and then every time you take your meds, every time you remember yep. to do that, that's feeding that green wolf as yep. well. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So good far, so you. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to review real quick, use good decision making, choose the right hormone, get help, opt in. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be right back with part three. So in this week's show notes, as Kelly mentioned, you'll find links to Diana Kander's podcast, links to Annie Duke's book, links to information about brain hormones, and some ways to take useful action when you're feeling outraged. That would be helpful. You can go to here-together.us slash pod for the latest episode show notes, or go to here-together.us slash library for show notes for all of our back catalog. So, Kelly, do you know what I like about podcasts? What? Tell me. I like people. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying the other day that, you know, I'm an inveterate listener to the uh, Pod Save America. You love those guys. Lefty, lefty uh, politics podcast. And I tuned in the other day, you know, and they didn't have anything new to tell me. I, I listen to them every twice a week. I read the Washington Post. I read the New York Times until I run up against the article limit. You know, I read the Atlantic. I didn't. There was nothing new for those guys to tell me about the current election scandal or COVID or whatever. But I just wanted to check in and find out what Tommy and John and John had to say about it. I just I have. You a, like hanging out with those I like guys? Out with those guys. I feel like I got a personal relationship. They're I like smart and funny. And yeah. And, and awesome. I like I like hearing Tommy get kind of moved. Sometimes mm. he gets really angry. Sometimes he gets a little sad. I'm just like, oh, yeah. Tommy. So yeah, that's that's why I keep going back to that podcast. And you, but what do you what do you love about podcasts? Um, well, the same thing. I love hanging out with people I enjoy, people who are smart and funny, and who have a good take on what's going on in the world. Of course, I like that. Um, I like learning stuff and seeing the world through other eyes and or ears I guess no, I don't you're always you're always like telling me like what what you just heard from what is it the side door the Smithsonian oh, Smithsonian side doors yeah. wonderful because like I almost wandering into the basement of the Smithsonian Institution and seeing what they have yeah when I was finishing high school I wanted to go into museum sciences and right. I almost applied to the Corcoran School of Museum Sciences and I didn't do it I filled out the application I had everything and I was in the Corcoran gallery and I didn't turn it in. Oh, Kelly. 
I know. Like, what could have, what would have been? But anyway, I, yeah. So I have a love of museums and, um, so the side door is a great podcast. Yeah, just generally, you love learning. Yeah, Through Line is a history podcast that is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, there are a bunch of podcasts that I I trust to tell me tell me good stories that are the truth and are beautifully done. Yeah, this is Love and Criminal from right. Phoebe Judge are wonderful. And of course, my favorite murder, which is my new my new favorite podcast. And you're you're a murderino. I'm a murderino now. Yeah. Well, we call you all out there hotties for H dash T. H dot T. dot T. We call you hotties. And if you hotties find this podcast helpful and valuable to you, if there's something that you love about it, whether it's hanging out with us, whether it's learning new things from our guests, whether it's being exposed to ideas that maybe you hadn't been exposed to before or that you really agree with. You can help other people find this podcast. You can make it grow larger and reach more people so that they can have that same awesome feeling as you. And so that we can get more amazing guests on the podcast That's too. Well. Like yeah. the more we grow this thing, the the more amazing people we can bring into your ears. 100%. 100%. And all that you have to do to make this possible is leave a testimonial a comment or review through Podchaser at iTunes or on our website. We produce this podcast for free with no ads. Go to podchaser.com slash here together or to iTunes or on our website and leave a five-star rating. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, let's get back to wrap up the show. Let's wrap it up. So we talked about the two wolves and how we all have these two wolves in us. They're always in conflict. They're striving for dominance. We talked about how leaders can make a big difference in which wolf gets fed, which wolf comes to preeminence. And we talked about the things that we can individually do, the four things that we can individually do. Put a cat on your tummy. Put a cat on your tummy is number one. Put mm-hmm. a cat on your head is number two. Mm-hmm. Put a cat on your feet is number three. Wait, I'm looking at the wrong script. Uh, use good decision <laughs> making is number one. Choose the right hormone is number two. Get help is number three. And opt in, actively opting in mm. to the to the notion of a battle at all, to the yeah. notion of a struggle at all is number four. And I just want to end with talking about this sort of a vision that came to me, like I said, in, in my interview with Boyce and Hodgson and Mark Green, part of one of the rituals, one of the, the standards of of a men's circle or mankind project or lots of circles is this, is this check-in. Everybody's sitting in a circle. Sometimes we're on a circle on zoom. We're not even, we're in squares, <laughs> but we still do a, a check-in, which is just to say uh, your name, your, you know, whatever you're feeling and kind of whatever's up for you. And we were more than halfway through this interview with Mark and Boyson and, Somehow we started checking in with one another. Just know, accidentally. Just kind of accidentally. You just, that's what we you do. We should have done it at the beginning, but we were mm-hmm. needing it, right? And, yeah. And uh, I was the last one. And Boyson, I, I hardly know him, but he's just he's just so warm and welcoming mm-hmm. and safe and strong. Mm-hmm. And he said, what's going on with you, Charles? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I tapped into just this the adult version of me just has this like deep bewilderment about how we are right now as a country and as a world. And a little below that is my 14 year old, my really powerful, fiery, idealistic, revolutionary, 
adolescent, anti-hypocrisy superstar, superhero. And he's just so disappointed with how the adults are handling things mm. right now. And this all ties back to this Red Wolf, Green Wolf thing and, and back to leadership. And as I spoke to Boyson about this disappointment that, that Charlie Chuck, that was that was his camp name back then when he was 14, Charlie Chuck, like he just wants everybody to work together like we do when we're on a backpack trip when we're on a backpack trip and the weight in my pack is the weight in your pack the weight in your pack is the weight in my pack it doesn't matter we move at the pace of the slowest one Mm -hmm. and that person hikes in front the most vulnerable the most ill the the slowest the shortest leg person is in front setting the pace or or when we're in a war canoe at summer camp i used to paddle these beautiful carved cedar war canoes that were like 30 feet long and they were 12 14 year old boys with these beautiful carved cedar paddles and we would our paddles would all hit the water at the same moment and we would pull back with our whole bodies our scrawny scrawny sunburned bodies And sometimes we would sing and sometimes we would chant and the ripples of where the paddles hit the water all together would intersect and create different kinds of ripples. And every, that canoe, that, I don't know how heavy that thing was, several hundred pounds canoe would, would jerk forward another foot, another two feet and then glide and, and then jerk forward and glide and, and jerk forward and glide. And there was this crossing that we had to make between islands and the water was choppy. The water was choppy. There was wind between those islands. And we were all, all 12 of us in that canoe, laser focused at the goal on the other side of that crossing. And we could work together to make that happen. And for some reason, it doesn't feel like that Mm. in this country right now. No. We did not rise to the challenge of COVID. We did not rise to the challenge of economic dislocation, we're barely rising to the challenge of racism and economic disparity. But, and, and, and in that moment, talking to, to, to Boyce, and I just felt that despair and that frustration and that clarity of like how it could be. And that's something that 14-year-olds always have in it. Sometimes it annoys the hell out of us adults because 14-year-olds like, it's right there. Just do it. Just do it. And yeah. we're like, well, there's, it's, it's, complicated. it's complicated. Yeah. But feeling that, acknowledging that, acknowledging what I wanted, what part of me wanted really badly and what part of me could see really clearly helped actually lessen the despair. Because it's true that it's not happening right now. We do not all have our paddles in the water at the same moment. Some of us aren't paddling at all. Some of us are paddling the wrong mm-hmm. way. Some yeah. of us are using the handle end of the oar yeah, instead we're of a the mess. paddle. We're a mess. Some of us aren't even acknowledging that we're in a canoe. Right. But by acknowledging what I want and what I crave and what I know can happen, now I can go look for it and find it. Yes. Before I was just hopeless. Before I was just... Oh, yeah. I was just... Right. Mm. Before I was just a victim of what was going on. And now I can, A, acknowledge where that already does exist in my life. We're pulling together with you. Mm. You and I. Yes. We put our paddles in the water together almost always. Yeah. There's occasionally we 
we get off rhythm sometimes, but yeah. yeah. Um, But we get back on. Absolutely. And we talked about the, and when we went live today uh, on Facebook uh, earlier, it'll be earlier when you hear this podcast, Mm -hmm. we talked about the conversation that I have with my sister, even though my sister and I are doing some different things around Thanksgiving and, and COVID protection, having that conversation and being really open and honest about what we're doing, I just feel like, okay, my paddle is in the water at the same time as my sister's. Yeah. We're not paddling in exactly the same direction, but we're together on this. Yeah, absolutely. And I can create, you know, through this podcast and through everything else that I do, that that sense. I mean, I, I hear that sound. I can feel it in my body, mm-hmm. what it felt like when that canoe would jerk forward with the the stroke, the power of these, like it's a little scrawny guys, four little mm-hmm. barely pubescent 14-year-olds. But we moved that freaking log and, yeah. we, and, we, and we paddled through the mm. chop. Together. Together. And, you know, there we were together. Um, not only did we move the canoe, we moved ourselves. And not only did we move ourselves physically, we created new potential and new possibility and new strength for ourselves by doing that. So we didn't, we were not expended. We were expanded. Oh, ooh. Yeah. T-shirt, go. T-shirt, go. So what are we going to, you know, what are we going to do as, as Kelly said, you know, when we were talking about leadership and government, you know, what are we going to do to make sure that those who are leaders, when it comes out to rolling out this vaccine, when it comes to uh, figuring out how to repair the economy, when it comes to figuring out not how to go back to where we were, but forward together, mm-hmm. you know, what are we going to do to come together to not expend, but expand our capacity? And, you know, I think we all need to do, as we say over and over again in this podcast, do the personal growth work mm-hmm. so we can be in relationship, so we can be of service. Amen, brother. Have the courage to get into the canoe, have the ability to notice when everybody else is putting their paddle in the water and do it at the same time to be in relationship mm-hmm. in that way. And just work on it. And just work on it. You don't have to be perfect. No, no. Yeah. Every once in a while, the paddles smack together. and Yeah. A little bit of swearing sometimes. But man, those moments when it all comes together. Yeah. So beautiful. And Powerful. Believe, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for listening, everybody. Mm. Thanks for letting me tell two stories. Yeah. At, uh, on this podcast. And we'd love to hear what you're doing to feed your green wolf. Oh, yes. And if you have any ideas for us about how we could do a better job. Oh, my gosh. It's not like we are... Uh, inventing the wheel on this one no no we are not yeah let us know what other what other books or resources that you think are are incredible incredibly helpful for for this kind of work we're all in this together we are all here together i love it So to wrap up again, I feel like we, you know, we've been telling you what we're going to tell you, and then we told you, and then we told you what we told you, and then we told you what we told you again, and now we're going to tell you again what we told you. Yeah, just just for good measure. Just for good measure. But what I'm taking away from this, right, is we are a mess. Yeah. Every single one of us. No doubt about that. We all have a red wolf. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes my red wolf is like really fiery and mm-hmm. and angry and active, but most of the time he's just like a fat freaking slob. Yeah, like, I just want to yeah, eat snacks and watch yeah, TV. Why? Don't bother. Yeah. It's, it's, nothing's going to work. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're not good enough for that. Mm-mm. Everybody else has already done it. Yeah. That's a lot of what my red wolf says to me. 
curious what your Red Wolf says to you, but uh, we all, you know, I think hopefully we're all in agreement that leadership can at least nudge, mm. guide, or inspire us to be more likely yeah. to feed our green wolf. Can and should. Can and should. Leadership can and should. Right. We did talk about how sometimes leadership actually it doesn't always pushes us strongly into the, the outrage and, and laziness and victimhood, the weird combination of privilege and victimhood that, that seems to be cropping up in this country. Barf. And we can be more conscious about wolf, which wolf we feed and how we mm-hmm. feed it. We can claw back a little bit of that freedom, but it's not easy because it's, no. it's just so much of it is automatic. Yeah. So much of it is coming out of our lizard brain. So much of it, it is work. coming out of our hormones. So much of it is coming out of our past experience. Yeah, it does take work. And it requires that opting in, like you said. It's like, But it's like when we help each other, that's why Here Together is so good and important is because we can help each other. And, and then it's less, you know, it's less hard work and more let's hold hands and go together. Yeah. And, you know, you wrote right here. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the outline right here. You wrote all of our wolves add up to a pack. Yep. What is the pack like? And, and you know, apparently uh, in wolf packs, the slowest wolf leads. Mm-hmm. The slowest wolf sets the, sets the pace. And can I just say, I just read this book. Uh, it's a young adult book that was published in like 1973 called Julie of the Wolves by a woman's name. Oh, Jean Craighead George. Nice. Well done. She studied wolf behavior. All of this stuff is in there. Oh, it's great. really fascinating, and Julie of the Wolves, and I very much enjoyed it. It's a award-winning book from back in the day, but I had sounds never like come across sounds it. Sounds like you're recommending it. I do recommend it, and we'll put that in the show notes yeah. also. Yeah, yeah, great. All right, well, next week's episode. Uh, apparently, it's all about COVID. Ew. Yeah. Ew, COVID. Ew. We do our best on this pod to. You know, provide a place of respite and connection and discovery and, and fun, but we do feel like we have to tackle these important topics like we did today. And there's no glossing over the just the utter awfulness of the pandemic. We got yeah. to engage with it. I lost, as I said, to family members. Uh, we're making our own uh, preparations to do our self imposed lockdown and try to stay safe. It's our quest to make good decisions and not get sick. And we're going to interview some experts and share info that we hope will help us and you to do the same. We're going to revisit Christine Stewart, my old college friend, and who's an epidemiologist at UC Davis. She's a PhD. She's a doctor. She she's a smarty pants. We interviewed her back in March, if you remember, just as the first wave was getting serious. She was one of our first Zoom calls. Or, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. And we're going to talk to her again. Yes. Now that the second wave is See what she's us. thinking. Yep. See what's changed. Uh, find out what she's doing to keep her family healthy. And also about her experiences rolling out health interventions in other countries. Because that's, that's her thing. She's yeah, not she's a, worked all over the world, hasn't she? She's worked she? all over the world uh, helping folks stay healthy. So we're kind of curious if there's any lessons that she gets from doing that around the world that we can bring back here in terms of rolling out the rolling out the vaccine uh, and other kind of health kind of help us understand what to expect a little bit I think so I hope Yay. So. we're setting her up for a lot hopefully she yeah will. you know we'll, it's we'll gonna see. be good whatever she has to say and we're also gonna interview Terry Frenetti yay our old pal she's our local health department coordinator and we'll be asking her for an inside look at the fight against the pandemic yeah she's been on the the front lines of, of getting information to the community for this whole thing and uh, we'll find 
find out if she wishes she had retired before this thing started or yeah. not. Yeah. Hopefully she feels called rather than oppressed. Yeah. And lastly, we're working to book a self-proclaimed data guru who we think can help us understand which numbers to watch. What are the meaningful metrics? Yeah. Is it uh, is it uh, number of cases? Is it number of deaths? Is it uh, uh, rolling hospital admissions? Which is it? You know, figuring out which number to watch so we can make good decisions about our health. And it's kind of unfortunate that we all have to do this individually because, we again, we don't have that leadership at leadership the top, yeah. either from our governor or from, from our president. So we kind of got to take this in our own hands. So that's why we're excited to interview these folks and give you some more information, which hopefully feels powerful for you. Yay. So follow us on Instagram at RocketFeather1 and join us in the Here Together Community Lab on Facebook. Uh, let's keep talking. This is Charles Matthews and Kelly Robert wishing you the courage and support that you need to keep feeding the wolf of engagement, compassion, and clear-headed understanding. We call that science. Oh yeah. We love you. Oh. Oh. The Here Together podcast is a project of Rocket Feather Creative. <laughs>